0: Happy New Year. How many are excited about a brand new year? This is going to be an awesome, awesome year. I'm excited about what God is going to do. Good to see you guys out this morning for the early service. I'm proud of you, and uh, you guys are wonderful. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I'm excited about the Word and the series and where we're heading and what God is going to do in this coming year. Uh, we're going to talk about the life of Christ through the book of Luke. I love preaching Jesus. I just like to preach Jesus. I like to talk about Jesus. I like to preach about Jesus. I like to and, and we're going to look at Luke's gospel, Luke's account of the life of Christ. Now, as you look at the different gospels, they all have a different slant on Jesus Christ. Same story, same miracle worker, same incredible stories, uh, same passion. All that is in all the gospels, but but everyone takes a little different approach and a different perspective. And you put all those together and you get just a total package of who Christ was. Matthew kind of emphasizes that Jesus Christ is the heir to David's throne. He is the promised Messiah that was to come. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so in Matthew, Jesus is the King. He's the, the fulfillment. He's the Davidic line, the Royal King, Jesus Christ, a King of the Jews. Mark, Jesus Christ is the perfect God man. And he emphasizes God is the servant. And you have all these fast action words, and Mark is a very fast moving gospel, and he talks about Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life a ransom for many. And that's kind of the keynote verse for the book of Mark. Uh, You have John. John has this cosmic view of God. He doesn't even go back to the manger. He just says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so you have the idea of the divine, almighty Son of God. And you have his deity, and he really emphasizes that. And he even writes in the end of John, these things are written, that you might believe that Jesus Christ is divine, that he is the divine son of God. And so that's the take on that. Luke's take, Luke is a doctor. He's a physician. He writes from a viewpoint of the suffering, hurting, broken humanity. And you have this whole idea of Jesus Christ coming as the son of man. And he, he understands our pains, and he understands our problems, and you see more of the, the idea of him touching the lepers and, and more addresses to women in the book of Luke. And, and, and everything Jesus Christ did, in fact, it will talk about the Holy Spirit 26 times it refers to the Holy Spirit. And so you get the idea that Jesus Christ did his works and he did his miracles. Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And he did his operation in miracles through the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit of God. And if that means if Jesus Christ did those kinds of miracles under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, he said, these signs shall also follow them who believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. In my name they shall heal the sick. In my name things will happen and things will be done because we have that same anointing that Jesus Christ had available to us because Jesus Christ was fully man. And so the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about the anointing today. So let's stand together. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ comes to humanity, he he, uh, brings us life, he brings us hope, and you see all that in Luke's gospel. Now by the time you get to Luke chapter 4, he's already mentioned the Holy Spirit four times. And you see a chapter earlier, he was driven and led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by God and the Holy Spirit of the angels came and ministered to him after that temptation. And so he's every move he's making, everything he's doing is directed by the Holy Spirit. And then he stands up, he, he goes to his hometown and he stands up in Nazareth and he's in, in, the, tab, in the synagogue there and he reads from Isaiah chapter 61. And Isaiah chapter 61 is all about the anointed servant of God who would one day come and about all the things that he would do. And it would be the sign that this was the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's anointed one, the Lord's deliverer. And then he finishes and he just kind of sits down and he says, today's the day. It's here. It's happened. So we're going to look at that anointing this morning. Let me read it to you right now. Luke chapter four, beginning with verse number 16. It says there, and he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue. As was his custom, he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So it sounds like that he's going to read from Isaiah, this powerful scroll they had in the synagogue. They always read from the scrolls, but he's going to go especially to 61 because he wants to make a point. And so he goes to that place in the scroll, and he says, where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me. Everybody say anointed. Anointed. To preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing wow father we love you so much thank you for your incredible word and Lord, I just pray you'll teach us this morning. You'll open up the scripture, and we'll see it in a fresh and new light today. And I pray, God, that this year we declare that this will be a year of the Lord's favor for faith assembly of God, that you are going to move in a powerful way, that we will see those signs and wonders, God, that you will have your way among us today. And we love you, God, and we thank you for your sweet presence today. Minister, I pray through your word. Your word is truth. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen. Turn to just someone real quick. Just tell them this is going to be an awesome year. It's going to be a year of the Lord's favor. God's going to do some great things, and then you may be seated. Over the years, I've had the just extreme, awesome privilege of preaching the Word of God. As God's call to the ministry has been upon my life, and so I I get to preach almost every week, and if it's not here, it's overseas or somewhere, and just just have over the years just preached a a lot of messages and a lot of sermons, And, and sometimes when I deliver a message, my delivery is very calm. My demeanor's very calm and uh, I, it's more of like a teaching, preaching kind of message. And you've heard a lot of those right here at Faith Assembly of God. I wanted to teach the word of God. And so I'm very, very precise, very articulate and, and I try to just, I'm very calm as I bring the word of God. And there are other times that, that just sometimes I just get really excited and I'm very animated and I wave my arms a lot and everyone just kick up my leg a lot, and just get excited and 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 invariably when I do that, if I kick a leg or just get excited or maybe move a little faster, someone would come to me and say, Boy, you're really anointed today. You really had the anointing today, Pastor. It's not, not quite as much now, but in the early days when I came here and we were at Faith Assembly of God years ago, it was it was all it was a lot of hype and emotion and excitement and energy and that's great and that's cool and there there are times for all those things. But you're really anointed today. The anointing has nothing to do with emotion. Jonathan Edwards stood up and he read his entire sermon. And the name of that sermon was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and it literally shook all of New England and brought about the first great awakening to America. I think he was anointed. Others have sung with great fervency and beauty on the platform. We've got a marvelous group of singers here at Faith Assembly of God, and they just do an awesome job every week. And, and sometimes someone will sing, and, and, and they're just right on pitch, and it's so beautiful, and they just kind of flow, and, and it just seems so lovely. And, uh, and we want to think in our minds they were really anointed. The anointing has nothing to do with talent. Nothing to do with talents. The anointing has everything to do with God's presence upon faithful believers. It is about God's presence, it is about God's spirit, it is about Him moving in our lives. The word anointed literally means to rub on. And so it means it carries the idea of rubbing on or putting on. They wouldn't anoint their shields with oil. So that they would get the leather pliable when they would go out to battle. And so, in the, you find that in the, in the times in the Old Testament, they would rub on oil on the heads of people and they would take the oil and rub it on. Remember, uh, Uh, psalm 23 it says in verse 5 you anoint my head with oil he's talking about the imagery of the sheep and how that the shepherd would take and rub oil all over the head of that sheep and and it would keep the flies away and keep the bugs away and keep all those pests off his head and so it has the idea of to rub on to rub on and, and, and what they would do is they would take a generous portion of oil and they would pour it on the head of the person who was going to be anointed. And so they have the expression that that person was under the anointing. Okay, So the oil was poured on, the oil was either rubbed on, and it has that idea of the pouring on of oil or being under the anointing. And then there is that, that thought of the heavy anointing. In Psalm 133, he describes a heavy anointing. He said unity is like the oil oil that is poured on the head runs down the beard, even Aaron's beard, all the way down across the priestly garments, all the way down to the hem of the garments. And so there was a large quantities of oil that were poured over the head, and that was said to be a heavy anointing when they would literally take the oil and pour it all over that person's heads. When we anoint with oil and pray for the sick. Don't worry, I'm not going to take a whole bottle of oil and pour it on your head. But they did that in the Old Testament when they would anoint certain people for different tasks and different assignments and different missions. And so there's that heavy anointing. When we anoint with oil today, we take when we call for the sick. He tells us how to do that in the book of James. Let them call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil. And so we take some oil and we rub it on the forehead usually and then we pray for that person. And he says in actuality, it's the prayer of faith. That she'll heal the sick and raise them up. So when you come forward, it's an expression of your faith in God, your desire to even be anointed with oil and obey God's word for healing, anointing. In the Old Testament, the anointed one was referred to as the Messiah. It comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach. And, uh, and, and that has the idea with rubbing on or rubbing on the oil. And so you have this whole thought of the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the one God has anointed for a special task. And so the Messiah, it carries two ideas. And I want you to kind of get this in your mind and, and follow me closely here. Uh, you were an, uh, anointed, it meant God's endorsement on you or also God's enablement. So the Messiah would be anointed by God, which meant he was endorsed by God for a specific task, but it was also a divine enablement to carry out that task. Now stay with me, I'm going somewhere with this. In the New Testament, the Greek word for anointing is the idea of Christos, and we get the word Christ from that, Christos, and it literally means the anointed one. Christos. So Messiah, Hebrew, Old Testament. Greek, Christos, New Testament. When we say Jesus Christ, and we use that terminology when referring to Jesus Christ, Christ was not his last name. It's not Larry Burbacher, Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, the anointed one. It is identifying who he is. He is the anointed one. One of God, he is God's Messiah, he is God's Christos, he is the anointed one by God, Jesus Christ. He says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. I am God's chosen one, I have been chosen by God and I have been enabled with power from God and that was all designated when the spirit of the Lord came upon me. Okay. So when does that happen? Go back a chapter. It happens in Luke chapter 3. It occurs at Jesus Christ's baptism. He cannot really even be properly called Jesus Christ before his baptism in the Jordan River because that was the time of his anointing. That was the time the Spirit came upon him. So look at verse 21. And when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, You're my son. You see the divine approval? The anointing carries with it that divine approval of God. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And then he goes back to his hometown, goes into the synagogue, and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. So now I am technically the Christ. I am the anointed one because his Spirit is upon me. You know, when it says in Luke 3, it says the heaven opened up, it literally carries the idea of the heavens being torn apart or ripped open. It is a violent act. And so the heavens are ripped apart. God's Spirit comes down in power upon Jesus Christ. That was his baptism, that was his anointing, okay? So the Holy Spirit came upon him and it gave him divine approval and then you hear the voice of God, this is my beloved son and you see divine authority and power is gonna be carried out throughout the rest of Jesus' ministry. His miracles, his works, the opening blind eyes, the lame walk again, uh, all those things that are happening and he says "These these are characteristics of somebody who's anointed. These things will happen, prisoners will be set free. It's going to happen through Jesus, fully God. He is also, though Jesus is fully God, he is also fully man. So he is always in constant communion with his heavenly Father. He's in touch with him all the time. And he is continually dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit in and through his life as he would go about his ministry. And Luke emphasizes this even more than anybody else, any of the other gospel writers. Luke is going to emphasize that Jesus Christ operated and moved under the constant leading and guiding and direction and power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how he's going to do what he does. Now, to fully understand the significance of the anointing in the life of Jesus Christ, there is some powerful imagery that we find in the Old Testament. I want to give you three things. If you've got your outlines, you can turn them over and follow along. Look there. First of all, there is a king's anointing. There is the anointing of kings. And, and let me just give you one example. All the kings who are going to be on the throne of Israel are at some point going to be anointing for that position of leadership. And you see it first with the first king is King Saul. And so Samuel comes along and he is going to anoint King Saul. And let me read it to you very quickly. First Samuel 10:1. 10, 10, then Samuel took a flask of oil and he poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord's anointed you leader over his inheritance? And so you have the anointing of Samuel, who is the last kind of judge over the land and he's going to anoint King Saul. And he takes this flask of oil and he pours it on his head and he kisses him and he says, God hath anointed you king. You have that divine approval and recognition from God himself. And so you have both two things are happening again. What? You have God's approval. Number one, you are now the king of Israel. And number two, you have his authority to rule, right? Approval and authority comes through the anointing. Stay with me here. Now Saul squanders this away. He squanders the anointing. He has this incredible gift of Almighty God, this divine approval, this authority to rule and reign as king, but because of disobedience, he is going to lose the anointing. Let me show you this. Turn to 1 Samuel 15. I want you to see this very, very carefully. (coughs) 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 17. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? This is after he has sinned, after he took matters into his own hand, after he spares the Amalekites. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. This is Samuel's point. You were chosen by God, selected by God, anointed by God. You had divine approval and divine authority, and you blew it. You get that? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Disobedience caused Saul to forfeit the anointing. Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. And I went on a mission assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. And the soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder and the best with the to of the Lord in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, to heed is better than the fat of the rams, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance, like the evil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Now listen to me, the word of the Lord will tie into the anointing. Because you've rejected God's word, you no longer are under the anointing. You follow me? Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, Saul still holds office. He has the office of the king. He is ruling out of that office as the king of Israel. But the presence of God had lifted. The anointing was no longer upon him. And so Samuel is told by God, I want you to go and anoint another. And what does he do? He goes and he finds David, and he anoints David. And so David is going to be the anointed heir to the throne, but Saul is still going to remain on the throne. In other words, it is possible to have position and not have the presence of God. You can have position, you can have the title, you can be called whatever you want to in any form of ministry and still be without the presence and power of Almighty God. You might have the approval of man, but you may not have the approval of God. And Saul maintained the approval of man. He is still the recognized king of Israel, but he does not have the divine approval of God, therefore he does not have the anointing. The anointing comes with God's divine approval and God's divine authority. Follow me here. The kingly anointed. Guard carefully the grace of God entrusted unto you. Do not take it lightly, people. God's presence is not to be trifled with. How do I mess up this presence and power of God by not heeding the word of the Lord? When you choose to sin and do your own thing and follow your own flesh and live out your own desires and do whatever you want to do and you disregard God's word, you will forfeit the presence of God in your life. Mm -hmm. The anointing is a precious treasure. Do not risk quenching the Holy Spirit of God for momentary fleshly pleasure. It's not worth it. Church, is not worth it. It's not worth that time of passion with somebody else in front of a video screen, whatever the case may be. It's not worth it. The presence of God is too precious. The power of God's too precious. Don't forfeit it by failing to heed the word of the Lord. If you choose to despise his word, God will choose another to get his work done. If you choose to despise the word of the Lord, God will select someone else. He'll find a David somewhere to get his work done. The greatest hinders to the advance of the gospel and spiritual victory is not the demonic forces of hell. It is our own stinking flesh. Our passion for self-fulfillment and self-promotion impedes the work of the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to exercise dominion in spiritual warfare if you choose not to heed the word of the Lord. Because the spirit of God will be taken off of you and you will be soundly defeated at every single turn. But if you want a kingly anointing, if you want to rule and reign with Christ Jesus, uh, you better heed the word of the Lord. There is that God's choosing, there's God's authority, there's God's power, but don't take it lightly, don't take it for granted, don't think I can do my own thing and then walk out and slay the enemy. You will get wiped out spiritual dominion ability to rule and reign with christ ability to execute vengeance on our vengeance on our enemies all that's needed through that kingly anointing of the holy spirit of god it's so important in everything we do don't forfeit that for messing around and goofing off and and just doing your own thing and fulfilling every desire of your flesh it will leave you The ultimate heir to the throne is Jesus Christ. And he is going to be the direct descendant not of Saul's line. He is going to be in the Davidic line. He is going to be of the lion of the tribe of Judah, the line of David. Not the line of Benjamin, not the line of Saul. Why? Because Saul blew it. So where is the royal line going to come through? It's going to come through his new anointed one, King David. Jesus will be the ultimate heir to that throne. Jesus' anointing then for him was also divine approval and divine authority as a kingly anointing. And so Jesus Christ is our king. Turn to Psalm 45. He connects the kingly anointing, uh, the, the rule of the king, dominion, rule, authority. He connects that with the anointing. Look how he does it here. This is a great, great passage. He says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. The scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Your love, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. In other words, this is a messianic psalm. You will rule as king forever and ever. Your scepter will never end. Why? Because God hath divinely anointed you. When did it happen? Luke chapter 3, when the heavens are ripped open and the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus Christ. And he stands up. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he hath anointed me. So there is that kingly anointing. It is fulfilled in Jesus Christ and is again fulfilled in every anointed child of God. There is an anointing to rule and reign and have power and spiritual dominion in this earth today. But don't try to mess with the devil without the anointing. Just a thought. Go to the second thing. There is also what I call a priestly anointing. Now, not only do they anoint kings for rule and reign, they anointed the priest. And so you go to Exodus chapter 28 and verse 41. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron, his sons, anoint and ordain them, consecrate them so they may serve me as priest. Now, there is an anointing that we need to fulfill our priestly mission, and that Jesus Christ also had upon Him. And they were anointed as priests. They would take the oil, they poured on Aaron's son, his sons, and he says, "So they might serve Me." So they can. What's what is, what's the anointing for? Divine approval, divine authority, the approval of God. These are my priests. These are the ones I've selected. And number two, the authority to carry out their mission, to carry out their assignments so that they might serve me. Priest, what did a priest do? A priestly function is to go to God on behalf of the people. So Aaron, his sons, every generation after them, they would bring the sacrifices to the priest. The priest would make the sacrifice, would offer up the blood, and would go to God in intercession for the people of Israel. He was that go-between. They offer the sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. The high priest, one day of the year, would do what? Go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. He was the priest. He was the great high priest, could go into the very presence of the living God. The Ark of the Covenant is there, and he would go in and pour out the blood and sprinkle the blood on the Ark of the Covenant after several sacrifices had been made. The anointing was God's confirmation for service unto him. So that priestly anointing enables me to serve God and to wait in his presence and wait upon him. And even go to God on behalf of others. Jesus is anointed as our great high priest. So not only does he have the kingly anointing, he also has the priestly anointing. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and look if you would at verse number 614 Therefore since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens Jesus he's talking about Jesus gone through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so Jesus Christ is identified now as our high priest. So when he is anointed, Luke chapter three, and he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me, it is a kingly anointing, it is also a priestly anointing. And so he can offer up sacrifice on our behalf. It's interesting, the sacrifice he would offer up would be himself. Wow. Priestly anointing. And then there's the prophetic anointing. There's an anointing for the prophets. And this is very, this is, this is so awesome. Stay with me here. The anointing of the prophet. Elijah is told by God. He said, your time is about done. You need to go find a man by the name of Elisha and I want you to anoint him. He's also going to anoint Jehu, who's going to be the next king. He's going to do some other anointings. But he says, Find Elisha and anoint him. Okay? He's told by God to do that because there needs to be a new prophet to take the place of Elijah. And so and I don't have time to go into it all this morning, but you've got this fascinating story where, where Elijah's coming to the end of his days. He says, Elisha, go back home, stay away. You know, I'm going to die by myself, kind of thing. And Elisha says. Wherever you go, I'm going. I'm not leaving your side. In fact, I want to see you when you go up. And he is so bold to say, and Elijah, finally after pestering from city to city, about four different cities he goes to, and there's a whole message there. But after city after city he goes to, he says, what is it you want? He says, I want a double portion of your anointing as prophet. I want that double portion prophetic anointing. And he is there when he sees him go up into the heavens. And what happens? This mantle, this cloak, maybe the tallit, the prayer shawl of Elijah falls down out of the heavens as he's being carried off by God. And and the Bible says Elisha rips off his own clothes. He puts on the mantle of Elijah. Hallelujah. If we're going to operate in the anointing, we got to put off our own self, die to self, put off this old fleshly stinking nature, and we got to put on Christ Jesus. Mm, 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 mm. He picks it up. And he receives that double portion anointing. It's interesting, uh, we have recorded twice as many miracles that Elisha did than Elijah. So it's that full double portion anointing. It's interesting also, the final takeaway in this chariot of fire occurs where? In the Jordan, by the Jordan River. Where is it Jesus Christ? The heavens open up and the Holy Spirit comes down. What, the Jordan River, the Jordan River. Jesus Christ is a type of Elisha. Remember, he says John the Baptist, the spirit of Elijah, was on John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And so Elijah is a type of John the Baptist. Elisha, the double portion anointing, is a type of Jesus Christ. thought I'd throw that out, just kind of interesting. And Elisha heard the promise, listen to me, he heard the promise of an anointing, a prophetic anointing, and he took hold of it. As with any promise of God, how do you receive the promise of God? You take hold of it by faith. You take hold of them and believe you will receive them. Jesus, listen to me, is God's anointed prophet, priest, and king. He is God's perfect prophet. Priest and king, he is fully anointed and he receives both God's approval, this is my beloved son, and God's authority or power. And he lived and he does miracles and he follows the, they followed him and he taught and he did all that the Bible says in the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. They marvel that he taught with such authority. Now, Jesus Christ is what? He is the head of his church. The anointing of Jesus Christ, listen to me, flows down from the head all the way to the body. Who is the body of Christ? We are. When we use the term Christian, if somebody says, are you a Christian? We say yes. What does that literally mean? Of the anointed one. In fact, we are not called the body of Jesus because Jesus died, rose again, and is now seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. We are always the body of Christ. We are of the anointed one. And so the same anointing that flowed down the head of Christ flows down to the rest of the body. True believers share in this anointing of the Spirit of God because why? We are members of the anointed one. When I receive Christ, I have the anointed one in me. We also receive his spirit, the anointing of Jesus Christ, at our salvation. What did I say it was for? Divine approval. Turn to 2 Corinthians. I want to show it to you in the word. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22. 2 Corinthians 1, look at it, 21 and 22. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, the body. It's God who makes us stand firm in Christ, the anointed one. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. What did I say the anointing was? Divine approval. So because of that anointing in Christ in me, I can also hear the father say, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. This is the one I died for. This is the one I gave my life for. Why? Because they have that same anointing. He has anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I am of the anointed one right now in Christ Jesus. hmm what does that also mean? The same anointing that was on Christ, kingly, priestly, prophetic, rest upon his church. Mm, mm. Listen, listen to 1 Peter 2.8. Peter just sums it all up. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I have a royal anointing, a kingly anointing. I have a priestly anointing. I am a royal kingly priesthood. A holy nation, a special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Revelation 1 6. And he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. So listen to me now, because I am of the anointed one, I am royalty. I am in the royal line of Jesus Christ. And I have authority to execute judgment over our enemies. I rule and reign with Christ, not in heaven, right now. Right now. I can exercise spiritual dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. I have right now a priestly anointing. I am a royal priesthood. What does that mean? Right now, I can come into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and I can wait on him and minister to him. I also have a minister ministry of intercession. I stand between God and between lost humanity as his royal priesthood. And so I offer up prayers and intercessions believing that the lost are going to be saved and I am his prophet. What do I mean by that? There is a prophetic anointing uh, that I have to hear the word of God and declare the word of God to the nations. I can flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's given those to his church. Prophesy. Pray in tongues. Work in gifts of miracles. Gifts of faith. Gifts of healing. Discerning of spirits. These supernatural gifts that the Holy Spirit gave me to carry out his mission. Anointing, divine approval, divine authority. Oh, this is so good. John 16, Jesus Christ tells the disciples, it's needful I go away because you know what? If I go away, I'm gonna send back another comforter and he will lead you into all truth. And you know what? You think what I did is awesome. Greater works than I have done shall my church do because I have that same anointing. Now listen to me. Peter and John, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. Peter and John. Our, our drug into uh, uh, trial. The lame man by the gate, beautiful, he's made to walk again, and they're upset because the crowds are just gathering, and they just killed Jesus. They thought they stopped it, but they didn't because the Spirit of God just went to to his disciples and on from there. And they're taken in, and look, look at what it says in Acts 4 and 13. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these had been with Jesus. Now listen to me. I believe we can operate in greater dimensions of power, that anointing of God, but how's it happen? They took note that they had been with Jesus. You say, Pastor, I don't have the power. I can't do this stuff. It's not happening in my life. It all sounds awesome and cool, but I'm not walking in spiritual dominion. What does it say? They took note that they had been with Jesus. When you spend time in the presence of the Lord, that anointing rubs off. The same anointing that was rubbed on Jesus Christ is rubbed on our life in greater dimension. And so hang around Jesus, pray, study the word, uh, be around children of God. You know, church is so exciting because I'm in a whole assembly of anointed ones uh, and that anointing is rubbing off me and rubbing off you and we're rubbing off on each other and we're lifting each other up and we're encouraging each other in the most holy faith. Oh my goodness. Hmm. Listen to me, 2017, we want to see the same stuff that Jesus talked about happen at Faith Assembly of God and happen in the low country. What does he say is going to happen when we operate under the anointing? The oppressed will be set free. Listen, demon-possessed, set free by the power of God. Uh, Addictive-bound behavior, set free by the power of God. Those who have been bound by drugs and alcohol, set free by the power of God. There is an anointing for that. Hallelujah. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To heal the brokenhearted, Uh, This gospel we proclaim to the poor. All this is going to happen. And this is what God's called us to do. And this is the stuff we should be seen. Through the works of Jesus Christ. But in order to do this we must spend time with him and make prayer a priority. The world will marvel that we have been with Jesus. Just like they marveled at Peter and John. Unschooled uneducated, not all that bright, not all that smart. But oh, the Spirit of God uses and works through us. So do God great, great and mighty things. And they'll say, you know what? Those people, they hang out with Jesus. This week, I'll say more about it in a minute. We're going to pray and we're going to fast and we're going to seek God and we're going to draw on his presence and we're going to say nothing but you, Jesus. We're going to turn our TV sets off and our computers off and we're going to get in and we're going to press in for what God wants to do in our lives and go on this journey together. And then there's also, and this is the last thought, there's also what I call that double portion anointing. Now remember I said there were two things that came with the anointing. One is divine approval. The moment you say, Jesus, I need you, the Spirit of God comes into your heart and life and he says, this is my son. This is a child of mine. He adopts us into his family and we have that divine approval as children of God. But there is what I call a double portion anointing. It's that same mantle that flowed down when it came out of the chariot, flowed down to Elisha. And the oil literally just doesn't get on our heads. It runs down the head, all the way down to the garments, all the way down, follow it to the hem of the garments out to the rest of the world. That's the heavy anointing. That's the double portion anointing. Jesus' disciples would need that double portion anointing, and we call that the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I am anointed by virtue of the fact I am a part of the anointed one. I am a part of his body. I belong to Jesus Christ, uh, and so I am of the anointed one. I am a Christian, but I also believe there is what the Bible calls a double portion anointing because he told his same disciples, he breathes on them and says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and then he said, but go wait. I've got more for you. Go tarry. Pray, seek my face. Wait in Jerusalem for 10 days. Don't leave. Pray, seek God. And I'm going to pour out on you a double portion anointing. There is that anointing for approval. There is also that anointing for power. And what does he tell his disciples in Acts 1.8? And you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has Come upon you. You getting it, you, you pulling it together now? Divine approval comes with Christ, my beloved son. Divine power comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Followers of Christ, Christians, redeemed by the blood, needed to wait and pray and seek God to they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Joel prophesied, he said there's gonna come a day when God's gonna pour out what is known as a double portion anointing. Now let me read it to you, Joel 2, 23. Be glad, people of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends abundant showers, both the autumn rains and the spring rains as before, both rains, Two rains, not just the autumn rains that 's a lot. we need the autumn rains, we also need the spring rains, uh, but he said there's coming a day when i 'm going to pour out both the autumn rains uh, and the spring rains uh, and a double portion double rain, uh, double blessing Amen. and then he says, "Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy they 're going to dream dreams uh, and i 'm going to pour out my spirit what on all flesh." Joel chapter 2. What happens on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out? Peter stands up and preaches and said, This is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. It is not just a single rain, it is a double rain, it is a double portion, it is an Elijah blessing, it is an Elisha anointing. Hmm. Acts 2, 38 and 39. Let me read it to you real quick, and we're going to pray. Acts 2, 38 and 39. And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Hallelujah. Repent, turn to Christ and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can have a double portion anointing and it's power, what, to be my witnesses. We need that same anointing, double portion anointing to do the works of Jesus Christ. The anointing is the divine approval and power to carry out our mission, power and presence of his spirit to change our lives world listen i want to declare that 2017 is going to be a year of the lord's favor how many want to believe that with me it's going to be a year of god's divine favor now let me tell you in a nutshell what that meant every 50 years was called the year of jubilee what would happen on the 50th year well slaves were automatically set free (laughs) isn't that good news Property was returned to the original owners. It was redeemed, could be redeemed by the original property owners. And they took a sabbatical year of rest. They would rest for that 50th year. They would do no work. They rested. They rested. And there was always with that a hope of a future rule and reign of the Messiah who would come. It was the 50th year. It was the year of the Lord's favor. It was a year of jubilee. I want to believe that for Faith Assembly of God. I want to believe this year captives are going to be set free like never before. That we are going to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that we are going to redeem all that that the enemy has stolen from us and taken away from us. He is a thief. He's a liar. He's a crook. And I want to put him out of business. Mm. This week, I am challenging all of you to pray and fast. Don't eat. Some of you may want to do a Daniel fast. That's okay. Sometimes in Israel, they would break fast at the end of the day. So you may fast all day long and break fast at night. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying a total fast. I'm going to drink water. And so I would encourage you, maybe drink water. Usually they drink, drank water. Uh, there were times they did supernatural fast for three days, maybe maximum, where they drank no water whatsoever. But, uh, but I would encourage you to hydrate, drink your water, and, uh, and do that. Drink those clear liquids, whatever it is. We're going to go fast for five days. We're going to fast Monday through Friday. Uh, start today, start tonight. Sun go down tonight, maybe break fast Friday night. I don't know. Every day, this church will be open at noon. We did this last year. We're going to do it again this year. So from noon to one, we're open. I know most of you guys got to work. Uh, Tomorrow, if you want to come by, you can. Uh, We'll be here. We'll be praying. We'll be seeking God. We'll be waiting on the Lord. We'll be praying around this place. We'll be believing for 2017. We're going to pray that God's going to move in a mighty, powerful way. We'll be doing that every day. It'll be led by our pastors, and we'll just spend a time of prayer in here together every day from noon till 1 o'clock. This church will be open. This sanctuary will be open. This month, I'm excited. This, the, the first month of our series is on the miracles of Luke, and we're going to look at the next four or five miracles, four miracles that uh, ha- occurred in the book of Luke. There were many more, but we're going to highlight four of them, and, and I'm going to believe that God's going to do the same miracles in our congregation, in our midst, that he did in the New Testament. There's no reason. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're going to begin to believe God for miracles, a release of his miracle-working power in our midst. Next Sunday night, I'm going to preach my opening sermon. We have three services in here. We're going to crush it. We're going to preach three times in a row. We're going to have a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, And then that night, we're coming back at 6 o'clock. And we're going to have a time of prayer and waiting on God. We're going to have some worship and praise and celebration we're breaking our fast we're going to celebrate what god's going to do it is going to be an all church prayer meeting all five campuses are coming together right here next sunday night do not miss it you'll just feel like you missed the rapture because we're going to have an awesome awesome time here together next sunday night i'm excited i don't i just feel i don't know why this year just has me peaked next sunday night listen to me i I alluded this morning to the baptism of the holy spirit Next Sunday night, I'm going to take a time where we're going to pray for people who are hungry to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to lay hands on you and believe that God will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. If that's never happened for you, next night, Sunday next night's going to be your night. It says in Luke 11, just simply ask God for the Holy Spirit and he will give it to you. And so we're going to believe by faith that many, many people will be baptized with that double portion anointing, that baptism in the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to have a, just, a, just a great, great revival night service here next Sunday. So if you haven't been baptized with the Spirit of God, you begin to pray about that this week. When you're fasting and praying, say, God, I want everything you got for me. I don't want to be short in the power avenue whatsoever. I need that power in my life. I want it, God. I desire it more than anything else. When you have that kind of hunger, God will fill you. It will happen. So you come with faith believing. and We're going to have us a time in the house. Stand together, stand together. God, band. come on out. Let's, we're going to sing a song. We're going to pray, let you go. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, start 2017 out saying, God, I need you. Come into my life. Maybe for some reason you guys got to say, i got to go to church today. I'm going to start the year out right, and I'm so happy you guys are here. I'm going to start the year out in church. I'm going to start the year out right. But you may not know Jesus Christ. Just say, God, I need you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.